go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Hi, I'm Peter Doan. And I'm Leslie Doan. And you're listening to the radio broadcast, Go Rebuild My Church. Each week in this broadcast, we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus and how this theme is relevant as we seek to bring renewal to the church today. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 14 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. You can learn more about our journey home and our lay apostolate dedicated to renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our prayer is through the ministry of this radio program and our lay apostolate, we can provide pathways for you to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. We want to take a moment here to welcome those listeners who are joining us for the first time and catch you up a little bit. We're in the midst of a series on what it means to rebuild and renew the Catholic family as the domestic church, and I believe this is near and dear to the Lord's heart. Yes, Leslie, throughout this series, we're looking at the sacred scripture excerpts from the catechism, the lives of the saints, and the teaching of the church as we seek to challenge individuals, families, and local parishes to rebuild and renew the Catholic faith here in America. And we're discovering that restoring the Catholic family as the domestic church is critical both to rebuilding the church faith here in America as well as placing our families in the Lord's holy presence for blessing, protection, nurture, and stability. Yes, Peter, the family indeed needs to be nurtured and protected at this time in history, and today we are going to focus on some excerpts from the Catechism, as mm -hmm. well as some teaching that are coming from some of the thought leaders in the Catholic Church. Yes, amen. Okay, well, we've covered a lot of ground so far, and we're discovering what it means for the family to be the domestic church. We're on our ninth broadcast, I can't believe it, dedicated to this important topic. And if you are just joining us and you'd like to go back and catch up and listen to the other broadcasts in this series, please go to catholicradioindy.org and access our podcast. Well, just to summarize what we've covered so far, we examine the church's understanding of the family from the Old Testament and the New Testament, and what the early church fathers said about the family. Then we discussed Vatican II and the rediscovery of the Catholic family as the domestic church. This is a concept which had been lost for over 1,500 years. Mm -hmm. And then we covered in detail God's purpose for the family, a vision for the family, as articulated by Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI. Yes, Leslie. And finally, we shared some troubling data related to the family and discussed Pope Benedict's address at the Ad Limina gathering of the Catholic bishops in 2011, where he referred to what he called a quiet attrition taking place in the Catholic Church here in America. And he noted that this quiet attrition is happening due to the obstacles to the Christian faith and practice raised by a secularized culture. 
Well, listeners, we didn't leave you there. We ended by being focused on solutions, and we presented some proven strategies that can practically begin to rebuild the Catholic family as a domestic church. Yes, and we wanted to credit these strategies to Joe Paprocki, a a doctor of ministry, who is a national consultant for the faith formation at Loyola Press for over 35 years. As a matter of fact, you can access this information by going to www.catechistjourney.loyolapress.com and search on strategies for empowering families to be the domestic church. Right, put that in the little search box at the top. Right. So today, Peter and I want to continue to help our listening audience build a strong domestic church in our homes. And our topic today is critical to this goal, and that is how to build and maintain a strong, vibrant, and spirit-filled marriage. Yes, Leslie, in preparing for this broadcast, I see that there's literally countless numbers of books, workbooks, manuals, videos, and podcasts available on how to have a successful Catholic marriage. Right, there's a lot of teaching out there. Yes, but what Leslie and I want to do today is share what has worked for us in the trenches of a Catholic Christian marriage. And foundational to the marriage covenant is first and foremost, I would say, not methodology, systems, routines, structures, or even principles. Rather, foundational to the marriage bond is a person, namely Jesus Christ. And Leslie, our scripture that has held us together over these decades has been Colossians 1.17. Right, kind of a theme theme verse for our marriage. Yeah, it's a pivotal verse for our, our marriage relationship. And it says, he, that is Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Yes, Peter, before we even speak of practical wisdom for marriage that will create a domestic church, we must lay a foundation in our Lord and in his life. So what do we want to yeah. do now is look at the catechism, right? And there's some great catechism paragraphs that speak about Jesus and his connection to marriage. In fact, it's subtitled in the catechism, In the Lord, inferring that marriage is changed as a result of the coming of Jesus Christ. So starting in sacred scripture, we see that life begins with a marriage in the Garden of Eden, and revelation is consummated at the wedding feast of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. So let's look at a couple paragraphs that highlight Jesus and marriage. First of all, paragraph 613 says this, On the threshold of his public life, Jesus performed his first sign at his mother's request during a wedding feast. The church attaches, and this is important, great importance to Jesus' presence at the wedding feast of Cana. She sees it, that is the church, as the confirmation of the goodness of marriage and the proclamation that thenceforth marriage will be efficacious in its sign of Christ's presence. And we had the privilege of actually visiting Cana when we had a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And if any of our listeners have been there and have gone to Cana, you'll know you have the opportunity to renew your vows in the exactly in the spot where Jesus performed his first sign. And it was a wonderful experience for us. Yeah, that's a powerful memory. I can remember it like yesterday. So another paragraph, Leslie, is 1615 in the Catechism. And it says, By coming to restore the original order of creation disturbed by sin, Jesus himself gives the strength and grace to live marriage in the new dimension of the reign of God. 
It is by following Christ, renouncing themselves, and taking up their crosses that spouses will be able to receive the original meaning of marriage and to live it with the help of Christ. This grace of Christian marriage is the fruit of Christ's cross, the source of all Christian life. And then one final paragraph, Leslie, is 1617 that says this, the entire Christian life bears the mark of the spousal love of Christ in the church. Already baptism, the entrance into the people of God, is a nuptial mystery. It is, so to speak, the nuptial bath which precedes the wedding feast, the Eucharist. Boy, these are rich insights from the catechism for all our marriages, Leslie. Well, now it's time for a short break, and when we return, we will introduce how a Catholic marriage should be built on the foundation, the rock, which is Jesus Christ. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood, in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Alexa, What's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we're bringing to you, our listening audience, an exciting and critical series of broadcasts. We're exploring the call to rebuild and renew the Catholic family as the domestic church. And today our focus is on marriage. In our last segment, we began a discussion of the marriage covenant founded in the person of Jesus Christ expressed in the catechism. And there is actually a lot more to read up on in the catechism regarding marriage. Right, Peter? Yeah, amen. But this is where we must start. So, Peter, talk to us about how you laid the foundation of Christ when you had the awesome responsibility of preparing couples for marriage at our local parish when you were on staff. Right, Leslie. Well, I, I called this the marriage triangle. And when I would meet with couples when I did marriage prep in that local parish, I would get the couple together in our first meeting, and I would sit them down, and I would draw a triangle and I said this, picture a literal triangle as they looked at it with each individual spouse, that is the husband and the wife, positioned at the bottom of the two angles. And God is at the top of that triangle in the top angle. Now picture the spouses as they move up the side of the triangle towards the top of that triangle where God is. And interestingly enough, they automatically grow closer to one another. Well, Peter, you had couples coming to the church for marriage prep from all different places in their spiritual journeys, didn't you? Yes, and I really and I really feel like that what we're talking about here today with this triangle pictures the real foundations of where marriage begins. In order to grow closer to each other, in other words, and strengthen the holy bond of marriage, each marriage partner is called to first and foremost cultivate their personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ and move up that triangle closer and closer to God. Right. We start at the base 
Mm-hmm. And we take that journey up closer to the Lord and grow closer to each other as we do it. Yes, this idea of, of developing our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus is sometimes a little bit quizzical for Catholics. I've heard them say that. But one of the things I've realized lately, it's becoming more and more a part of the church's teaching to emphasize. In fact, Bishop Robert Barron just recently sent out a new ebook, and it's called How to Have a Personal Relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you remember, we've talked about Sherry Waddell before in her book, Forming Intentional Disciples, that she spends 49 of her first pages in that book talking about the call for Catholics to realize that they can have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ that many Catholics have not really heard that much about. So as we turn to what we want to share today, I want to acknowledge one of our favorite bishops, Leslie, Archbishop Charles Chaput, who is the retired Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And he had a great article on this developing our personal relationship with God. And we want to take some of his principles and share them today. So first of all, what did do we start up that triangle? The Archbishop said, we need to start listening to him, that is the Lord. Our faith, he said, is not a 12-step action program. Rather, it's a love affair. That's with a spouse, the most important thing we can do is to be present and to listen. He said that this requires time and focus, doesn't it? And if a spirit of impatience or pretending to listen doesn't work with your spouse, how's it ever going to work with God? So, Peter, this posture of listening is where we start with God and each other. That's right. Secondly, the archbishop said, cultivate silence. He said, we can't listen when our world is filled with, I like this, noise and toys. And this is a great quote he had. C.S. Lewis often said that noise is the music of hell. That's quite a quote. Our toys, those things we choose to distract us, keep us diverted from focusing on the main questions of life like, why are we here? What does life mean? Is there a God? And if so, who is he? And what does he ask of me? And in marriage, there's going to be many times when we navigate difficult circumstances conflict and movable barriers that affect our unity and it's in this place with our lord in the silence of our quiet time that we can go to him with our questions and our request for help in time of need yes thirdly the archbishop said we need to seek humility in that personal relationship he said humility is the spirit what material poverty is to the senses the great purifier humility is the beginning of sanity We can't really see, much less love, anyone or anything else when the self is in the way. He said our own sinfulness and unimportance and many other things become possible and repentance, mercy, patience, forgiveness of others then can begin to take place. And let's, and let's be real, Peter, it takes genuine humility to have a successful marriage, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And like Bishop Chaput says, we can't even see ourselves without humility. And we need to cultivate humility in order to see what God is after in me whenever there's that conflict in marriage. Yes. What of myself is in the way and causing the problem? We cannot change the other person. The only one we can change is ourselves. Yes, very good. Fourthly, the bishop said, and this is so important also, all these are, cultivate honesty. 
The most painful but most important honesty is telling the truth about ourselves, he said, and about our own motives and about our own actions. He says, Scripture praises the honest woman and man because they're like clean air in a room full of smoke. Honesty always allows the mind to breathe and think clearly. And Leslie, you know, over the years, I've found one of the greatest ways to become honest with the Lord is through the Psalms. The Psalms really allow us to pour our heart our heart out to the Lord Jesus and we begin to be honest with him even sometimes when we're wrestling with him and even to the point we don't understand him and we're angry the Psalms allow us that honesty well to tell the truth about ourselves and our own motives and actions and be honest is really hard mm-hmm. our spouses can help us to see the truth about ourselves can't they you can say that again yeah so we need to cultivate honesty in our marriages and it starts in our relationship with the Lord by praying. And I love this prayer. I try to say this prayer um, before I go to confession. Search me, O Lord, and try me and see if there be any way of pain in me. Amen. The fifth point that the Archbishop brought to us is seek to be holy. Holy does not mean to be nice or even good. Although truly holy people are always good and often, though not always nice, the bishop said. Holiness means other than. It's what scripture means when it tells us to be in the world, but not of the world. And this doesn't just miraculously happen. We need to choose and to seek holiness. Peter, I really like this one because I really thought about the call to holiness and applying that to our marriage. And holiness is the habit of seeking to conform all our thoughts and actions to God's ways in our our marriage. Okay, listeners, we're going to pause now and take another short break. And when we return, we're going to discuss the final five ways a husband and wife can move towards God and therefore move closer to one another. So please stay with us. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. Anytime you get in the car, turn on the radio, you know that there's going to be something encouraging. It's such an encouragement and enriching to my own Christian walk. It brings me a great deal of peace. I really am blessed whenever I listen. Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. You're listening to the radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. And today we are offering 10 powerful ways for husbands and wives to bring about a rebuilding of the family as a domestic church. In this previous segment, we shared five ways a husband and wife can draw closer to Jesus Christ and as a result, grow closer to each other. Peter, what comes next? What are five more ways we as husbands and wives can cultivate our relationship with Jesus Christ? And again, Leslie, this is a great sharing that we uh, found from Archbishop Chaput, who is the retired Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Great insight here. The sixth point that he brought is that we need to pray. 
Prayer is more than just that portion of the day that we advise God about what we need and what we should do, said the archbishop. Real prayer is much closer to listening, we've talked about that, and it's intimacy tied to obedience. God certainly wants to hear what we need in love and fear, because these things are part of our daily lives, and he loves us. But if we're doing the talking, we can't listen. Because prayer requires us to lift up who we are and everything we experience and possess to God, the bishop said pride is too heavy to lift. Well, it goes without saying we need to pray over our marriages. And when facing difficult times, we should run, Peter, not walk to the prayer closet and bring our cares to the Lord. And uh, the prayer of a couple is actually very powerful. Uh, Jesus instituted and blessed our marriage covenant, and I think he wants it to succeed even more than we do. And it says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. So when those things come up in your marriage, bring it in prayer and supplication to the Lord with thanksgiving. And we know that our requests will be made known to God. Yes. The seventh point is simply read. That means Scripture is the living Word of God, and when we read God's Word, we encounter God Himself. So obviously, first of all, we read and meditate on Scripture. But the Archbishop went on to say that we need also to read more, like J.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, and presently maybe some uh, speakers and writers like Dr. Han and Ralph Martin, who have put out some wonderful reading materials. These are deeply intelligent and powerful writers whose work nourishes the Christian mind and soul while also inspiring our imaginations. He said reading also serves another simpler purpose. It shuts out the noise that we talked about earlier that distracts us from fertile reflection. We can't read, for instance, he said, the screw tape letters and then take in network television at the same time. And that's a very good thing, he said. Well, one thing I did when we were first married is I went through all the scriptures on marriage and womanhood, and I studied them. And my view of my role had been formed by the world, and I was not necessarily aligned with God's view. So I took some time to read the scriptures, and I even wrote the references to them in the book of my Bible, back of my Bible. I find myself going back to these scriptures every time we had a struggle in those early years of marriage, and I really felt like it helped me to really get aligned with the Lord and what he wanted to do. Right, right. The ninth point, or the eighth point, I should say, that the bishop brings us is to believe and to act. And he mentions that nobody earns faith. Rather, it's a free gift from God, as we know the scripture teaches but we do need to be willing and ready to receive. And at this point, the archbishop points out less of the difference between faith and feelings. And he says, feelings are fickle. They're often misleading. They're not the substance of our faith. He said, we need to be grateful for our emotions as God's gift, but we also need to judge them in light of common sense. Falling in love is only the first taste of love, he said. Real love is more beautiful and more demanding than the early days of romance. Getting a handle on our feelings is so important. And as we have often taught, Peter, feelings make good servants, 
but poor masters. Write that one down, listeners. (laughs) Your love for your spouse will be tested. And when the feelings are not there, that's when we have the opportunity to tap in by faith to real love, agape love, which comes from our relationship with the Lord. And then in an act of obedience to his command to love one another as he loves us, then that love will be, what would you say, renewed, refreshed, and Mm it will be more substantive than the feeling love. Amen. The ninth point that the Archbishop makes, and this is so good, Leslie, nobody makes it to heaven alone. We all need friendship and community. He said that every successful marriage is finally about a deep and particular kind of friendship that involves honesty, intimacy, fidelity, mutual sacrifice, hope, and shared beliefs. Every successful marriage is also a form of community, isn't it? Even Jesus needed these two things, friendship and community. The apostles were not only simply the Lord's followers, we know. They were also his brothers and his friends, people who knew and supported him in an intimate way. All of us as Christians need the same two things, right? It doesn't matter whether we're religious, layperson, deacon or priest, single or married. Friends are so vital, and community is vital, as well our friends both express and shape who we are good friends sustain us bad friends undermine us and that's why they're so decisive in the success or failure of a christian life well i love this picture of marriage as a form of community in a place where friendship can happen If we commit ourselves to walk closely with the Lord, we will in time develop a deep friendship with our spouse. So think about it. If someone is a true friend, they don't abandon you when you fail or things become difficult. Right. They're not fair weather friends. They support you in good times and bad. And friendship in a marriage is truly a gift. Yes. And finally, Leslie, number 10, the bishop says, nothing is more powerful than the sacraments of penance and Eucharist and leading us up that triangle to the God who we seek. God makes himself available to us every week in the confessional and every day in the sacrifice of the mass. He's never outdone in his generosity, the Lord is. He waits for us in the quiet of his tabernacle, and he loves us and wants us to be loved wholeheartedly in return. To sum up these, Leslie, if we're willing to give that love, these steps will lead us to him. Well, Peter, could you pray for us now that our listeners who are married will make it their goal to grow closer up that triangle to the Lord and as a result, grow closer to each other? Yes. Lord, we present... uh, these thoughts to you today and we ask that you would sow them deep in our hearts by the holy spirit we ask O lord that you would put in the heart of every spouse that's listening today a desire to seek you and to draw closer to you knowing that as we do that as spouses we will by result draw closer to the one that we love at our side We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today as we seek to connect individuals, families, and parishes to the rebuilding and renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye for now, and keep keep the the faith. faith.
You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org.